and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Tom Reed, joined as always by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. A little bit later in the show, we will have Ken Danico from the NHL Network and from the Devils Broadcasting to join us, talk a little bit about the Devils and some stuff around the league. Uh, we're also pre- previewing the Pacific Division, rounding out our, our division previews. Uh, but today, with there's not a whole lot going on. I thought we, we'd take a little bit of a stroll down memory lane. I hope some fans enjoy this, and I'm sure many will remember some of the games we're going to talk about. But this was Dave Molinari's idea, and uh, kind of just the best, our favorite games that we've covered, favorite Penguin games that we've covered over the years. Uh, Dave has just a few years on us. He went back to, I believe, the original when the, when the Penguins were introduced back in the 60s, not the, quite that long, but Dave, obviously a Hall of Fame writer, uh, certainly has seen a lot over the years. Taylor certainly has seen some great, great play here over the last few years with the Penguins, and I'll, I'm kind of in the middle. Dave, we'll start with you since uh, you have covered so much. Give us one game, then we'll go to Taylor. I'll chime in, and we'll go around the horn a couple times here for a few minutes. Well, I mean – as you noted, I, I've probably been to a few dozen games over the years. So whittling the list down wasn't easy. But, you know, if uh, forced to settle on one, I would probably go with uh, the Groundhog Day that wasn't Groundhog Day. And that would have been February 2nd, 1989. Uh, which is notable in Penguins history because it's the day they didn't lose a game in Philadelphia. Ah. It was the night they broke their 42-game, 15-year winless streak at the Spectrum by beating the Flyers 5-3. to three. Um, It was not only quite a game, but quite a day all around. Uh, a radio station, I'm pretty sure it was WDVE in Pittsburgh, had sent the uh, very popular team of Jim Crenn and Scott Paulson to the game that night. They had been uh, dressed up as witch doctors as part of the, uh, I'm not even sure what you would call it, attempt to uh, reverse the Penguins' luck in in, in that building. Um the Penguins, a couple of things that are kind of overlooked. Uh, the, the Penguins actually broke that, uh, that slump on, on the basis of, of the play by their backup goaltender. It wasn't Tom Barrasso in goal that night. It was Wendell Young, who was a former Flyer. Uh, you know, a couple of guys who were with the, uh, with the Flyers that night, uh, Rick Tockett and Ron Hextall, and I believe Shell Samuelson as well, um, you know, would go on to uh, turn up in Pittsburgh in, in years to come. And, uh, you know, all things considered, when you, when, when you, you know, in the, in the context of, of that winless streak in, in Philadelphia, I mean, for, for it to end and, you know, to be able to witness it ending like that, uh, you know, it, that really was a, a significant event in Penguins history. Absolutely. No question. And you remember talking to some of the players afterwards, it really kind of gave them confidence uh, to kind of go on. And you know, we, we saw what happened. They two rounds into the playoffs that year and two years later, they win a cup. Taylor, your, your, your top, your top game you covered. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have nearly as many to pick from uh, as he <laughs> does. Um, I, I started doing this kind of uh, part-time, like I wasn't writing full-time um, back in December 2015. Um, I, I didn't start, I wasn't like full-time on the beat in, until like three years ago. Um, so again, not a whole lot to choose from, but the first game I ever was in the press box for was Mike Sullivan's first win as a Penguins uh, head coach. So I think that's pretty cool that there's <laughs> that I was there for that. Um, uh, I mean, in the playoffs, even I don't really have a whole lot to choose from. I've only covered, I mean, like, I mean, like Ben at like one playoff win um, game two last year because what before that? Uh, well, and then that I, we weren't, I, I didn't go like to New York. Um, we were traveling like as a, as a staff. I wasn't in, in the bubble last season, uh, and then before that, they got swept. So not a whole lot to choose from. Um, but uh, like a regular season game, that kind of stays out. It would just be Crosby's one thousandth game. Um, I mean, just everything pregame, the 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 fun things they did with the superstitions. I remember we talked about it at the time. Where remember he, he always ties the skate. You know, the the same point uh, of warm ups. He reties the skates at the same part, and they all like copied him. There's just a lot of fun stuff like that throughout the night. And then in a, that was an exciting game too. I mean, it was a close game, one goal game over the Islanders. Latang had the like game winner, assisted by Crosby. It was just like the perfect story. Yeah, very good. Uh, my first game would be game two of the uh, quarter, the first series in 1991 against the Devils, a series with, that would end up going seven games. Uh, nice that my neighbor is running the lawnmower right now as we, we start this. Uh, Penguins dropped the first game in every series on the way to the Cup that year, but the Devils were a really feisty opponent. Uh, a game that went 4-4 in regulation. The team's trading goals back and forth all three periods. And then Yarmir Yager with one of the great goals in Penguins history. Dave, you probably remember it. Coming down the right wing, he's dragging the puck behind him on a stick like he's dragging a garden hose. He's fending off John McClain. Somehow cuts in. And boy, our poor guest today, we won't mention this on, on when we talk to Ken Gianico, but goes right around Ken Danico and somehow as a rookie, waits and waits and waits for Chris Terreri to go down and puts it in the net. And I can just remember the relief in the building that night because if they go down 0-2 against that Devils team, I don't know if they come back and win. Maybe they do, but it still took them seven games. Uh, I just remember nobody wanting to leave that night because people were just so excited. And again, here's this young star, uh, Yaramir Yager, scoring the big goal. Uh, to win the game. Dave, if you had to pick a second game, what would it be? Oh, gee, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I guess I would probably go with the 8 to nothing game. Uh, I want to say it was May 25th of 1991 uh, when they won their first cup in Minnesota. You know, um, game six against the North Stars. Just because... You know, that was so unthinkable for, for that franchise, you know, that had only won a division for for the first time in franchise history a, a couple of months earlier. And as you just noted, uh, you know, came very close to not making it out of the, the first round, you know, not only because they could have gone down 0-2, but they actually did go down 3-2 and had to win a game yep. six at, at New Jersey. Uh, you know, to send it back to Pittsburgh for game seven. Um, 
but so I mean, it, it was surreal after you know watching a franchise that had struggled so often, you know, for so many years, and whose most glorious moments had almost always come in defeat. You know, heartbreaking overtime losses to the Islanders. There were several of those, and you know, one to the Blues, and you know, it just. You know, it was it was a, a franchise with a legacy of despair, and, and that all that all came crashing down. That you know, the night of Game Six at the at the Met Center in Bloomington, when when they just won a Stanley Cup as as emphatically as, as any team could with with that eight to nothing victory. Taylor. Yeah, I I don't. My next one, it's not really just you know one specific game, but my favorite games to cover are uh, NHL debuts of of guys who um, that I've covered Wilkes-Barre or talked to for for a while while they were down there. Um, you know, I always I've been writing about Wilkes-Barre longer than I have you know Pittsburgh, so I've I've been I, I've I've gotten to know some of the guys while they're still playing down there and working to get up, and then it's just so cool to see them finally reached the NHL and of, of the guys who've, you know, started uh, in Wilkes-Barre and made their debuts. Luckily, like a lot of them, most of them have been at home. So I, you know, even if I'm not traveling, um, you know, uh, I get to like Pierre Joseph, Zahorna, Angelo, Lafferty, Bluger, Adam Johnson. They always, they all of them made their debuts in Pittsburgh. So I was there for all those. Um, DePauly, I, I, his second game, I saw that, but I mean, all those guys were guys that I wrote about, interviewed a couple times each uh, while they were in, in Wilkes-Barre, some more than others. So I just love seeing them make it. And then also guys who were in the NHL before and then maybe had, ended up in the AHL and had to work their way back um, and then got back to the NHL with Pittsburgh. So Freddie Gaudreau, that's why I love the story of Freddie Gaudreau last season. But before that, um, I, I mean, guys, they didn't make real big impacts while they were here, but Garrett Wilson and Stefan Nason, just seeing them, um, you know, get back to the NHL. And, and Stefan Nason, um, I mean, Garrett Wilson's back in the NHL now, but, you know, Stefan Nason, he's um, – uh, he's still in the NHL. Um, you know, he got claimed off waivers after after he made his return here. But um, I mean, he went to San Jose. I think he's what in Toronto now. So um, it's just cool to see all those guys uh, make make it back to the NHL and make it there for the first time. Okay, I'll wrap this up with one more. Uh, April twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, at the Civic Arena. Uh, it was uh, opening round series against the Flyers, a series the Penguins would go on to lose in five games. But what was memorable that night, uh, game four, the Penguins were trying to avoid a sweep. Everyone kind of knew at the time it was probably going to be Mario's last game, at least before we knew about the big comeback. Nobody knew he was going to come back again and save the franchise and play a few more years. But that night, my wife and my uh, brother-in-law got tickets. They were sitting in the stands. Uh, the Penguins you know, played a very good game, and the, the, but but really that didn't really make any difference. It was three to one. They were going to win the game, but with about a minute and four seconds left, as just it could have been written the stars, Mario Lemieux comes down, scores a goal on Garth Snow, and the place just uh, it just erupted. I was able to. The applause lasted so long. I was able to go out of the press box, down to the seats where my wife and brother-in-law were sitting in, and just savor that moment because it was at the time you were thinking that was it. And I can remember Mario in the locker room saying, you know, he kind of said it, the old Frank Sinatra thing, kind of, 
I kind of did it my way. And it, it was an incredible moment. And at the time, we didn't know there were going to be some more incredible moments for the man who saved the franchise and went on and still owns the team to this day. So that'll wrap up this section. Uh, when we come back, we're going to look at the Pacific Division. And then we will also uh, be joined by Ken Danico from the NHL Network. Please stay with us. Seven podcast, and uh, we've been going around the league uh, looking at each division, and we uh, conclude today with the Pacific Division, a division that's kind of really kind of fallen on hard times, except for, uh, you know, obviously the Golden Knights have been t- terrific uh, the last couple of years out well, since they've been in the, in the, uh, in the league, but uh, you wonder at, at what point do some of these California teams start to get get better and let's just start there Taylor with Anaheim uh your thoughts on on what they did or didn't do this offseason and can that team be any better I mean I better I don't know it's going to be a a a different division that they're going to be in they finished uh third from the bottom in last year's Pacific uh the best of the California teams which isn't saying much but um I mean they're they're still rebuilding um I I don't think they're going to be a playoff team yet next season. Um, yeah, it's, it's still probably a couple more years of rebuilding. But, um, I mean, they still have some good pieces still. John Gibson and that, like, uh, I, I feel like in my live cues I've answered my questions every other week. Like, can, can the Penguins get John Gibson? Like, I, don't <laughs> think that, I don't think the Ducks want to move him out because, I mean, he has enough term left on his contract and is young enough that, you know, he could still be their number one once they get out of this rebuild. So, um they're not out of it yet, but uh, they, they still have some good pieces. Dave? Well, I, I didn't see much of a need to pay attention to Anaheim last season, and uh, nothing has happened to make me radically <laughs> rethink that position. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, perhaps a few years from now, they will, uh, the Ducks will be worth monitoring, but uh, I don't expect that to be the case in 21-22. Uh, move on to Calgary. Last year, obviously, they were in the uh, a different division uh, with the, the Canadian All-North division. Uh, made a couple of uh, uh, interesting moves, uh, which were reflecting the change of coaches there last year. Uh, Brett Ritchie in, uh, Blake Coleman uh, in. Uh, Taylor, your, your prospects for, for Calgary this season. Yeah, not a uh, not a whole lot of significant changes. I think on on personnel, um, they in the North Division they they missed the playoffs. Um, I again, I still looking at the rest of the teams in in this uh, Pacific. I, I I don't think they're going to be a a playoff team. Um, it's just going to be a tight division, and I don't think they did a whole lot to maybe necessarily uh, get get back. I mean, adding. Um, Zadorov, that's big, and but I, I still don't think it's a playoff team. Dave, Calgary uh, playoffs, no playoffs. Uh, probably not. Uh, you know, Zadorov from from Chicago, I think, w- was an interesting pickup. 
Uh, Dan Vladder, the the goalie they got from Boston, you know, he uh, he debuted against the Penguins and acquitted himself very well. Uh, so be kind of interesting to see how he continues to develop with the Flames. Uh, I'll be interested to see the impact that the departure of Mark Giordano has on them. I mean, he was kind of the cornerstone, uh, at least of their defense and probably of, uh, of their whole team uh, for a lot of years. And of course, you know, the, the seismic departure of Dominic Simone, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that the ripples of, of that will be felt for decades to come. All right, let's move along uh, to a team that is kind of like the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs of the West. They seem to have all that talent and can't seem to to ever get very deep into the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, Taylor, you're, can is this a year where Edmonton can finally can make some some hay out west? Well, I mean, they always do in the regular season. I mean, in the North Division, where they finish uh, a second behind behind Toronto, but then they get swept in the playoffs. So, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to to actually have them, uh, you know, make a playoff run. They're going to make the playoffs, but um, at least some interesting ad- additions this offseason. Uh, I mean, Duncan Keith, I don't know really what the motivation was behind that, but um, uh, Zach Hyman, that's big. Uh, Cody Cece on defense, uh, that's a big loss for the Penguins. Um I get maybe why he signed there because what he got a four-year deal from them. I, I we've talked about it on here before that like I think even if the Penguins had offered him you know four years three point twenty five that he got from Edmonton, um, who who is to say that he would have taken it anyway? Because I think in the next four years Edmonton has to figure out you have to you have to assume they're going to figure it out maybe win a playoff series here at some point um, make a run but uh, I don't know if it'll be next year. Um, Ethan Bear, um, a, a notable loss to, to Carolina. We talked about him uh, when we did the, the Metro division, but I don't know, some interesting changes in Edmonton at least. Dave, I mean, what's, what is it going to take to get this team that seems to have so much promise and, and, and in some ways much like Toronto, kind of top-heavy, uh, to kind of get them through a couple of rounds? Yeah, well, there's – it. This just might be a case where nothing succeeds like success, where if they can win a round or two, they could generate some of the confidence and the momentum uh, that would be needed to carry them as far as their roster seems like it should be able to. Uh, you know, there's no questioning the, the offensive talent uh, that they have on that team. But, you know, it hasn't translated to postseason success. You know, if uh, Cody Cece can play defensively, uh, you know, the way he did with, with the Penguins, and if, if Zach Hyman can, can take to the Oilers the things that he gave the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, Warren Fogle from Carolina is a nice pickup. You know, perhaps this is a year that the, that the Oilers uh, actually take a step forward in, in the postseason, although – I wouldn't want to have to put any money on that just now. Yeah. Another team that uh, has won cups uh, in the last decade, won one, two, as a matter of fact, the LA Kings, uh, they seem to me like a, a team that's starting to rebuild kind of in the right direction. They were, they were kind of hanging around last year. And I agree with Taylor, this isn't the best of divisions, uh, but they hung around in the playoff race for a while last year. Uh, they seem to be one of those teams that has still have a couple of older guys and they're trying to build up. They've been building up through the draft. What are your thoughts on this team coming into this season? 
Yeah, I mean, they've had some high draft picks. They're still rebuilding. Um, Philip Deneau, that's an interesting addition. Um, at center, uh, he should, you know, maybe ease the the pressure off Kopitar because um, really he was all they, they, had, they had in center uh, before. Um, he's still 28, so I don't know um, how, how much longer this rebuild is going to take for L.A., so I don't know if, you know, he's someone that's going to be around – you don't want to get out of the rebuild. Um, Edler's another notable um, addition. Again, he's 35, so they're probably not going to win while, while, while he's in L.A., but um, he he's had offensive success before, really dropped off last year in, in, in Vancouver, but it'll be interesting to see if he can turn it around, but I don't think that that's going to you know get them to the playoffs. Dave, thoughts on, on the, the Kings? Oh, I think they're doing a, a nice job of rebuilding. You know, I I think they have as good a prospect pool as there is in the league now. Um, Deneau, I think, was a nice pickup. I, I think Arvidsson could uh, help. They got him from uh, Nashville. Uh, I don't think they're quite ready to break through yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I certainly like the trajectory of that franchise and think that, uh, you know, within the next three to five years, they uh, certainly could be a force uh, to be reckoned with. Uh, moving uh, up the coast in, in California, the San Jose Sharks, a team that for so long was just you, you penciled them in every year in the playoffs. But, boy, has the, have they fallen off. They have really dropped off. And, and Taylor, do you any any chance – of them bouncing back last year or this coming season? I think they'll be better than they were. They were last season. Um, I mean, they did have some uh, notable additions. Um, Nick Benino on four, on four, they got him. I, one of the problems with them the last couple of years was that uh, Martin Jones was really uh, struggling in net. Uh, he was their number one. Um, he is now um, Carter Hart's backup in Philly. Um, and then to replace him, they have James Reimer and Aiden Hill in net. Um, so I mean, it, that that could be an upgrade. Just um, the the stat where you look at you know how a goaltender is performing given the the shots the quality of shots they're facing. Um, Martin Jones was like one of the worst in, in the league in the last three years at that. So um, that was probably their biggest concern immediately, and they addressed that. But um, yeah, still still some pieces to add before they're an actual contender. Dave. I probably won't spend much time this winter switching back and forth between Anaheim and Sharks games. <laughs> it's just, there's just, there's not a whole lot there that I find terribly compelling. You know, they, they had a couple of decent pickups, but, you know, not enough to make that a, a, a team worth paying attention to, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Taylor, we'll reserve this little section here for just, uh, can you give us the notable additions to the Seattle Kraken? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, well, it's it's hard because I, they might not be done. They have a lot of cap space left too, around $9 million. Um, They have really made some uh, moves recently to close that. But, um, I mean, they, they've made a good pickups, uh, a couple of good pickups. Uh, I mean, Dreger in the expansion draft in um, in net and the Grubauer they acquired via trade. So that's a pretty good tandem for next season. I mean, on defense, they have some good players. Uh, Vince Dunn, we just talked about uh, Giordano, Alexiak, um, Jeremy Lazan, 
um, fun young defenseman uh, from from Boston. I think he should really um, fit in there. Colin Blackwell is a good um, pickup on Ford, I think, for them. Um, Eberly, uh, Yanni Gord. I mean, uh, <laughs> the the two four Ravens, McCann and Tanev. Um, I think it's at least an interesting group. Um, but the way they built the team is, you know, it's not like Vegas where they were up against the, you know, the cap like right away and um, it kind of screwed them for the future because Vegas has had, you know, cap issues since then. It seems like Seattle's really focusing on more longer term. Um, and, you know, maybe they could, they might not be, a con- they're not going to make the finals, you know, next year, like like Vegas did in their first year. But um, Seattle, it seems like they're, um, they're, they at least set themselves up uh, in a good way to start. Dave, I mean, again, I'm sure Ron Francis is taking the long view, but we've kind of gone through this division and uh, we haven't gotten to the Golden Knights yet, but we've pretty much panned a lot of these teams other than maybe Los Angeles and what they're doing. Is this a team, when you just look at the lineup, is it, can, they, can they kind of contend for one of those playoff spots this year? Oh, I, they certainly could contend. You know, you, you might even make them a kind of a favorite to sneak in. But, you know, it, it's hard to say for sure because we obviously don't know how the personnel will gel. Right. You know, um, you know, on, you know, the, what, how a team looks on paper isn't always how it looks when it's actually on the ice. But that said, and while I'm not big on predictions, I, I'm willing to, say here and now that I expect Seattle's point total to rise more from last season than any other team in the league. And I will stand by that. <laughs> Way to go out on the limb there. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, Taylor, a lot of changes. Boy, they, they I was just you look down this list of names, the guys that have come in, uh, you're, you're just your thoughts on Vancouver uh, coming into this year. Yeah, I mean they've had they've had an aggressive offseason, a lot of changes, like you said. Um, free agency pickups and trades. I mean, what on on the draft day they acquired Oliver Ekman Larson uh, for for Connor Garland. That was um, that was big. They really didn't um, lose anyone that notable in the expansion draft. It was Cole Lind, um, but I mean, yeah, other pickups: Jason Dickinson, um, Halak and Net um, should be good. They but they lost Holpe. Holpe really wasn't great for them. Um, so I think, I mean, you look around, they definitely, you know, improved. Um, it looks like from last season, but um, yeah, a lot of changes. It's definitely going to be a, a different uh, Vancouver team at least. Dave, I mean, the last time we, uh, you know, Vancouver just, uh, what do you think of this group? Uh, I think Travis Green, uh, can this team, is this a team that can contend this year? Oh, it could contend for a spot. I mean, there there's really a lot of, question marks, you know, can uh, Ekman Larson, you know, get his game back to any, anything close to the level that it was a few years ago in Phoenix? You know, what does uh, Luke Shen have left? Yeah. You know, you know can, can Halak uh, continue to 10 goal at, at a relatively high level? I'll be interesting to see how Connor Garland, uh, works out up there. Uh, they certainly didn't lose anybody uh, during the offseason that I think uh, is a significant setback for the franchise, kind of like Nate Schmidt. Uh, but, you know, Braden Holtby and Jay Beagle and Louis Erickson, you know, 
I, I don't think they will be missed terribly in British Columbia. No. They're another team I think could possibly they, – they could contend maybe. Again, this is not a really strong division, which, which leads us to the, the obvious choice here. Even, even as Marc-Andre Fleury has, has moved on uh, to Chicago, which is certainly a huge move, especially uh, when you think of, of possibility if, if there was a chance or even a remote that he could have come to Pittsburgh. But the Golden Knights, uh, Taylor uh, – a really good year, and it boy, it sure looked like they were going to make the final, and ended up losing in, in six games to Montreal. Uh, does this can this team get back to the final, or or are we starting to see a little bit of decline with this team? Um, I mean, Flurry, that's obviously a huge loss, but I mean, Robin Lehner, they you know split a lot of the starts. Um, really since they were together. So they don't have the tandem they did, but they, they still have a pretty good number one. Um, now, they probably still have more moves coming because right now they are, um, I think, around like 30,000, 40,000 over the cap, and that's with Nolan Patrick still unsigned. So um, they have to do something to get under the cap. And then, if I mean, Nolan Patrick, he's a restricted free agent. If they're going to re-sign him, they, someone has to go. Um so uh, still changes to they could come, but um, not a whole lot of significant changes other than Flurry um, right, losing Ryan Reeves. Um, I don't think it's really a, that big of a loss. Um, I so I, I think they they can still make it be a, they can be a contender next season. They can make a run. Dave, your thoughts on this team? Well, I mean, I, I think they're going to enter the season as a pretty clear favorite to win the division, but. You know, that's uh, not saying a whole lot when you look at the rest of the division. Uh, I, I think it will probably be a slightly lesser team than, than it was a year ago. But, you know, I, I would put it no no lower at this point than, than the second tier of cup contenders, you know, below the likes of Tampa Bay and Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it'll be interesting, Taylor. You just mentioned their cap problems, but boy, they seem to like to swing for the fences out there. And and don't I? I would not. I would not completely rule them out of a Jack Eichel move. As, as crazy as that sounds, uh, George McPhee, that that group there, McCrimmon, they will. They sometimes try to really make some splashes and. I still think that that's a possible landing spot for him, but we'll see. All right. When we come back, we will be joined by Ken Danico of the NHL Network and also the Devils Broadcasting. Uh, Please stay with us. podcast and as promised we are being joined by uh stanley cup winning defenseman ken danico you can see his work obviously he's always on the nhl network also doing the devil's broadcast ken how you doing today i'm doing good gang how are you guys doing we're doing great Mm -hmm. um ken one of the you know looking back on your career you, you guys obviously three cups always had that great defense. You were a big, rugged defenseman. Uh, Scott Stevens, big, rugged defenseman. 
And then we, we saw a, a stretch of about 10 or 11 years where we just saw the league get smaller and smaller as the, as the game opened up. But in the last couple of years, you look back at the teams that have been playing in the finals, you see a lot of big defensemen. I mean, this, just, this, just this final this year with Montreal and Tampa Bay with the big D guys on the back end. Are, are we? Do you think that's going to start becoming a little bit of a trend again where, where the bigger defensemen are, are, are needed uh, to play this game? Well, I, I always say the more things change, the more they stay the same when it comes to playoff time. I mean, yeah. during a, uh, I, I believe anyway, in my opinion, during an 82-game regular season, it seems when you're moving city to city, night to night, playing one game here, one game there against uh, different opponents, it doesn't make as big a difference at the time. You can still win a lot of games, but – when you get to the playoffs, it seems teams are adding those bigger defensemen along the way. If they don't have them already, because the ice shrinks, everybody pays the price a little bit more, and and it goes back to where you want to be big, strong in your own zone, have a good reach, and, and just make it difficult to get scoring opportunities where, yes, the game's evolved, and I've loved it too, and the skill and everything else and the speed has, has gone way up. But come playoff time, you're absolutely right if you look at the – last three or four Stanley Cup championship teams, they all seem to have a pretty big defense. Now you've got to be somewhat mobile along the way as well. And we saw Tampa Bay win back to back with, with a big rugged D, a nice combination, I, I would say. I mean, I look back at the Stanley Cup uh, years I was fortunate to be part of with the Devils and, and we always had that mixture. I mean, Lou Lamorello's idea was a big rugged guy and a smooth skating transitional defense. And that's kind of what we had with, Myself and Niedermeyer, Stevens and Rafalski, and Colin White and Malakoff. I look at 2000 when we won the cup, and that was a pretty nice combination. It seems uh, come playoff time, that's what, what teams need and want because uh, it is much more difficult to create offense. And a lot because guys step out of their comfort zone and guys that don't maybe block as many shots during the regular season will do it in the playoffs. Guys that maybe don't finish their check on a consistent basis in the playoffs will do it so it makes it tougher on the highly skilled guys come playoff time so you do need some size for sure ken speaking of bulking up what do you what do you make of what the rangers have, have done this offseason uh, <laughs> uh, yeah is that is that is those three game lost the islanders and, and the tom wilson episode really been uh is that really you think spearheaded all these moves Oh, probably somewhat. I mean, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. So they've gone from uh, not really being an overly physical team to kind of going back to 2000, I guess you would say, or, or you know, a couple of decades ago where that was more prevalent. But, but obviously they just felt they needed to address uh, the physicality and certainly uh, making some of their skilled players more comfortable on the ice. And that's still part of it. It's not like my day, obviously, and, and like I'd mentioned uh, 10, 20 years ago, where intimidation was a bigger factor. But I, I would think they're just uh, believing that uh, we want to make sure we're more prepared this time around if, in fact, uh, uh, some of our skilled players are getting taken advantage of. So, you know, they'll tell you, well, we just wanted to address certain needs. And, that, and that's part of it, certainly, even with a Barkley Goudreau who plays more of a rugged in-your-face style of game but a good hockey player and Stanley cup champion the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting how, how other teams react, but um, obviously, like I said, it's just 
a different look for the Rangers a little bit, I would think. Uh, and obviously last year had some effect, and every team would like a big, a couple of big physical players, I believe anyway, because I, I still believe that uh, it does make your skilled guys a little more comfortable out there for sure. Ken, uh, the Devils had an active offseason. How much will the addition of, you know, Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves, Tatar, Bernier help uh, New Jersey next season? Well, yeah, yeah, no question about it. I think Tom Fitzgerald, general manager, who you guys are very familiar with uh, in his many years with the Penguins, you know, I've liked what he's done. He, he, he felt the timing was right. I mean, I know our fans get a little impatient when you're in a rebuild, retool, call it what you want over the years. And they were developing young prospects. I mean, our cupboard was pretty bare three or four years ago with young, talented players that are going to have an impact for your team. Well, now it's not so bare. Now these young guys showed last year, even though they had a tough season from a win-loss standpoint, so many of these young guys really developed. And I think Fitzgerald felt now's the time to insulate them with some veteran guys, especially on the back end where they've struggled the last few years. Bigger defense than what you're talking about with reach, maybe not overly physical. Graves is pretty physical, but just big guys who have length and and obviously landing the prize three agent and Dougie Hamblin. Uh, we certainly hope in these parts that he's going to help tremendously. We haven't had a bona fide number one defenseman, I'm going to say, since Scott Niedemeyer, really. And not that he's that same type of defenseman, but he's a guy that uh, can play uh, all three zones and certainly play in every situation and hopefully improve the power play dramatically. So I've liked the acquisitions. He solidified the goaltending as well to help Mackenzie Blackwood, who is going to be a real good one in this league and has shown Flashes of brilliance at times, but still needs some developing, and, and he will be the guy moving forward. But uh, they wanted to get a veteran guy like a Bernier, so I think that's going to help. Every team needs a tandem. And last year they tried to address that as well, and obviously uh, you couldn't prepare for Corey Crawford retiring. So I, I like the additions. Thomas Tatar, who's a real good uh, offensive player, can create and put the puck in the net, and, and they're hoping that uh, maybe this year – in a tough, tough division that the, at least they can compete every night and, and hopefully be hanging around in March for a playoff spot. There's a, you know, exciting group of young forwards coming back too. I mean, Jack Hughes, Pavel Zaka, Nico Hishir. What can uh, fans expect from, from those guys uh, next, next season? Well, I, I certainly think if they're going to compete and be a playoff contender, those guys even have to take it a step further. They had strong years and you could see, you know, I look at a guy like Pavel Zaka who, you know, high draft pick, everybody expects it now. And he was sixth overall, I believe, in 2015. And he's a big, strong guy, has all the tools. But it takes some young players a little longer, as we know. It just does to, to believe in themselves, to play uh, good, solid hockey and compete on a consistent basis. And I think Pavel Zaka found that last year. He's got a tremendous shot. And he was hitting the net a lot more and picking his spots. In the past, he'd missed the net a lot. Well, now he's more confident with his shot, so I think you're going to see him really take a step. Uh, Nico Hesha was injured most of the season last year, so it was kind of a write-off for him, but they're going to rely on him heavily. He's a real leader. That's why he was named captain. He's a guy that plays the game right way, the right way on a nightly basis, and I think he will bring some offense and is going to have to. And Jack Hughes in particular, boy, did he take a huge step. It might not show so much on the score sheet. Yeah, it was an improvement. Devils didn't score a whole lot, and they needed to improve in a lot of areas. 
But now that you add it to Tar, now these young guys, the Sharon Govichs and the Kolkinens and Bratz, getting a year old or more experience, they'll start to finish, I think, a little bit more because Jack Hughes had the puck on his stick an awful lot, and he played a very confident game. So from an 18-year-old to a 19-year-old, where he got a little bit stronger, I think he's going to get a little bit stronger this year. I expect a, a big jump for Jack Hughes, and in fact, I, I think he could have a breakout here. Uh, Ken, has, has Tommy Fitzgerald done anything kind of behind the scenes that has contributed to the, uh, getting the franchise back on, on the right trajectory, you know, uh, maybe expanding the scouting staff or, you know, bringing in new personnel people, that sort of thing? Well, they have brought in new personnel along the way. I mean, I don't know every person in particular, but having said that from the scouting to the, to, to building his team, there's no question about it. He's got a lot of trust and faith in, in the group he's assembled and they've added some pieces, but you know, I, I've talked a lot to Tom and obviously we played in the same era and Tom played, played the game hard, played it the right way. And, and he, he always continually says like a lot of general managers, but like a lot of teams, but you have to connect it with your, not just say it with your mouth and words with your heart. He wants guys that are going to compete guys that want to be here, guys that want to play hard. And I think you have to send that message and have a, a culture here. Like every team that guys understand you got to, you, you got to take the next step. You've got to be ready to, um, you know, be a team that can contend and not, not think that uh, we're still waiting here. And these, that's why he wants these young guys to take the next step. But I've, Really liked what Tom's message has been, certainly. I, I think a lot like him. And uh, believe me, I give him a call once in a while because I obviously I bleed red and black. And yes, have to be somewhat uh, subjective during broadcasts if, if we can. But uh, obviously want just want to see success because I know what it feels like. And I've been fortunate enough to, to see it here. And, and Tom gets that. And I think he just bringing that, that mentality in general where, you know, he's a no-nonsense guy, and he tells the players exactly what he expects. He, he communicates to them, and and I think it's been a good thing thus far in his short tenure as general manager here. Uh, you uh, you mentioned the possibility of, of the Devils being in the mix for a playoff spot, uh, you know, when March rolls around. What in particular has to happen for, for that to be the case, for the, for the Devils to be competing when, when we're in the stretch drive? Oh, boy. Well, I guess I'm going to say what a lot of teams will say, but especially for a young team that's not expected just quite yet to be there, but they have to believe it, number one. But the goaltending, the tandem, that's why they added Bernier, has to be real strong. There's no question about it. The most important position, we know that. Every team that has success has a good tandem and goal, and the Devils think they've solidified that somewhat. And certainly on defense, I mean, it was far too easy uh, on too many nights around their net and backdoor goals and by adding Graves and by adding Dougie Hamilton, they think they've improved in that area with Ty Smith uh, having a strong rookie season and, and uh, you know, he, he'll be ready to, I think, even improve on that. Now you slot P.K. Subban a little differently at this stage of his career, and I think he can be effective because he improved from one year to the next, certainly, and they just think they're so much better on the back end. And, and that's where a lot of the troubles began. Also in the transition game, getting the puck to what the devil's strength is and what they believe it is. And that's speed. They've got a lot of team speed up front and you've got to be able to get the puck to them. And certainly uh, Hamilton Graves and, and Ty Smith improvement will, 
will help that Damon Severson as well. So the defense looks totally different than it has in the past. It looks formidable, and that's a big part of it. And then now it's conversion. Guys got to put the puck in that. I mean, they need to prove in a, in a lot of areas. Special teams was bad last year. It was atrocious. Now I, I kind of look at it like a write-off. It was one of those years where you have a young group, a lot of new faces. They didn't get to practice a lot like a lot of teams, and it just didn't mesh. So I guarantee it's going to be better, both special teams, than it was last year. And they hope that results in a few more wins along the way. But obviously the additions should help in those areas as well. So there's a lot of things I named there, but I think they can improve even just a little bit, whether it's special teams, keeping the puck out of the net, the goaltending's better with the tandem, that, uh, you know, they're hoping that they can compete and be be hanging around in March and maybe surprise some people. And uh, on, on a slightly, uh, or on a significantly bigger picture issue, uh, what kind of challenges will the Lightning face in trying to win a third cup? And do you see a team in the East that's, that's a viable threat to uh, knock off Tampa Bay before it would get back to the final? Yeah, well, we, we, we know how hard it is even to go back to back. So it was pretty impressive what Tampa did. They built their organization the right way, certainly. And, um, you know, they made the right trades, right moves. I give Julian Breesbaugh a lot of credit along the way when he added the year before in the first on the run to the first Stanley Cup after they lost to Columbus in, in a um, regular season that was a record-breaking season and kind of alluding to what you guys talked at the start. And Tom asked as far as, come playoff time and it doesn't always work. So they, a lot of teams are stubborn and they will just um, say, no, well, it was just one of those years and we've got a ton of skill, which they do, but he addressed the issues they needed to improve on. And, and it paid, paid dividends with back-to-back cups. Now this year, they lose a couple of key pieces in, in, in Coleman and Goudreau, certainly, and Yanni Gore. That was such an effective line boy. So they're going to have to fill those voids and they think they might have that, and, and Ross Colton and certainly Matthew Joseph, if they continue to improve and, and they play along those same lines as those guys. But to repeat a third time, I, I boy, it's going to be tough. We, we say it's tough twice, but they've got that mentality and believe in themselves and teams in the East. I mean, I think there's there's so many. I The competitive balance in this league, and we know if things go right and you get a break and you get on a roll and turn it up at the right time, anybody can beat anybody, obviously. But uh, – you know, probably the usual suspects. Maybe can the Islanders take that next step? I, I think the Rangers are going to be better. The Penguins are always a threat because I have the utmost respect for what Malkin and Crosby can do, certainly leading their team in the Cups they have already won. So you always put them in the mix. But uh, it's tough, Dave. I mean, I guess I'm going in a roundabout way here, but I, I think there's there's a handful of teams in, in the, the few that I mentioned that, that could contend the Bruins as well. I mean, they've made a lot of off-season moves, and it's just in their DNA to to play playoff-type hockey. It didn't work out as they lost to the Islanders last year. But those are a few of the teams I would believe have an opportunity. And, and, and are the Leafs, are the Leafs going to finally get over that hump? I mean, <laughs> all the talent in the world. So I've thrown a lot of teams out there, but that's because I believe after Tampa Bay, and they're the defending champs, they're at the top. And they're the team to knock off out east. There's there's five, six teams that legitimately, you know, have a chance, I think, to come out of the east because of that balance in the league throughout. 
All right. Great stuff, Ken. We really appreciate it. Uh, catch his work, obviously, on Devil's Broadcast. And also, he seems like he's always on the NHL. Every time I turn on the television, <laughs> the NHL Network. Uh, Even though I have a face for radio time. Oh, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> terrific stuff as always. And again, I, I agree with you. I think the Devils are going to be a, a much, much improved see, uh, team this year. For Ken, Ken Danico, Taylor Haas, Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. We'll catch you next week on the 66 to 87 podcast. Thanks, guys.